Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Passage from Luke. Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the line and house of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her baby and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn, for them in the inn. And there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I think that should be read like this, by the way. And there were shepherds out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks. At night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone over them. And they were terrified. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. There is a difference between the fear of the Lord that leads to wisdom and earthly fear, fear of man that causes us to run away from the Lord. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger and when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I tell you, God does nothing without first revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And Jesus is coming. And I want to tell you this morning, Christmas is offensive. It is offensive. I get very excited by it, but I tell you, it is really offensive. If you take a look at the screen, there's a picture of a Christmas card. When we think about Christmas, that's what we think about, isn't it? Some weirdly romantic notion 
of Mary and Joseph. Mary with some odd halo over her head. Joseph with a little, little tiny candle. And the baby Jesus in a nice, comfy-looking bed. With spikes coming out of his head. But I want to tell you, we have romanticized Christmas. And we need to repent of it. There's nothing romantic about what happened 2,000 years ago. It's profoundly and deeply offensive. You know, when there's a royal baby born, I think it's St. George's Hospital or something where they're normally born, there's armed guards outside the hospital to guard them. The world's press gather and within a nanosecond of the announcement, there are pictures beamed all around the world to celebrate the arrival of royalty. People throw parties. It is a big deal. And then this baby that has been born with the best medical care is taken to a palace for its home. Now we, I love the Queen. We have an incredible royal family, regardless of your opinion, we have an incredible royal family. But my king is her king. He is the king of kings. He is the ruler of rulers. And she, her majesty, recognizes that. She declares him as her lord, her savior, and her king. Hallelujah. but the king of kings was not born in a royal palace. You know, his, his mother was a teenager, unmarried at the moment when she conceived Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit. That is a stigma, which in many, many places in this country does not seem to carry any weight these days. We're not shocked when we hear of teenage pregnancies. We're not shocked when we hear of someone giving birth who is unmarried. But I need to tell you, 2,000 years ago, for an unmarried teenager to become pregnant, the stigma stayed with her for the rest of her life. She was willing, knowing what would happen when the angel says, you are going to be used by God to birth something new. She was willing to do that knowing the cost. Knowing that people would not understand. Knowing that people would condemn and would criticize and would ostracize and would ridicule. She said, may it be to me as you have said. Church, we need to count the cost. And when Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem, for goodness sake, Jerusalem was the royal city. Jerusalem was the place where the temple was situated. Jerusalem was the place where the presence of God was made known in the temple as the people of God gathered to worship. And Bethlehem was six miles down the hill. And Mary and Joseph, they were from the line of David and they had to go to the city of David and it was Bethlehem to register. This will have been the first time that they registered as a couple. There were many censors. Every few years, there'd be a census to keep track of the population. We do the same thing now. We just do it online. But this will have been the first time that Joseph took his fiancée with him. It's a big deal to go and register together as a couple. 
she was heavily pregnant. And whilst in the city of his ancestors, she was going to give birth. But where do we get this notion from that they were incredibly poor? For years, people have talked about the fact that Jesus was born in a barn because Mary and Joseph were poor. They were looking for a hotel. The only reason he was born in a barn was because there was no room for him in the hotel. The city was rammed with people who were there for the census. The poor people did not go into the city to find accommodation in a hotel. The poor people stayed outside in the fields because that's where the poor people stayed. If they could afford to travel at all. Mary and Joseph were looking for a hotel. God was about to move in the greatest move of power in human history. And the people of God in the city of God did not recognize God and made no room for the move of God. What God was doing was long prophesied long foretold and people were waiting for the arrival of Messiah but even though they thought they were ready when God moved he did not move in the way they expected him to move and so they missed the move of God they did not make room for him many moves of God down the generations have been missed by people who said I don't like it People have said, we don't want that here. And they miss what God is doing. Moves of God, by the way, always offend. Most people won't make room for the new thing that God is doing. But Jesus in Matthew eleven six said, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Why did he say that? Because he knew that people are offended because of him. But those who choose not to take an offense receive a blessing. I need to say to you, church, choose not to take an offense. Choose blessing. When the birth of Jesus came about, Jesus was going to come ready or not. He doesn't wait till you're ready. He comes when he's ready. Mary was going to give birth. You know, giving birth doesn't happen when it's convenient, does it? (laughs) Our firstborn was premature. You can't plan when you're going to give birth. You give birth when you give birth. You don't decide that. And when Jesus comes, he comes whether you're ready or not. And if you're not ready... You miss it. He told a story about ten virgins. Ha! And the virgins were told to keep their oil lamps filled with oil ready. And five of them heeded the warning. And the other five didn't. And they ran out of oil. And then all of a sudden, when the bridegroom came, 
They realized they had no oil in their lamp. So they turned to the other five and said, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, you were told, same as us. We're not going to miss out because you're not ready. And so those that were not ready went off to find other oil. There is no other oil. And those that were ready were welcomed in to the presence of the bridegroom. He's coming. He is coming. He's coming whether you're ready or not. Jesus is coming. And yes, I'm talking about the second coming. He's coming again. But I'm also talking about a move of His Spirit, which He has long prophesied, an end times move of the Spirit, which precedes the second coming of Jesus. He is coming in power. He is coming in power. And He's coming whether you're ready or not. And if respectable people and respectable places won't receive Him, He'll go somewhere else. God is actually attracted to humility and lowliness. And all of the great moves of God down the generations have required a humility of heart to usher them in. So why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? Well, Bethlehem means city of meat. Literally, city of lambs. You see, in Jerusalem, where the temple was situated, God was worshipped. And our God is a holy God. And because we are sinful, you could not go into the presence of God and worship Him without first making a sacrifice to atone for your sins so that you were seen by God as being righteous enough to come into His presence. And the way your sins were atoned for was to sacrifice a lamb. And if you need a lot of lambs for a lot of sacrifice, for a lot of people that are hungry for the presence of God, you need a lambing center close by. That's what Bethlehem was. It's a lambing center. That's why there were shepherds there. Because where you have sheep, you have shepherds. And the purpose of Bethlehem, which means house of lambs, city of lambs, was a place to birth lambs for the sacrifice. And the role of the shepherds was to be there when something was being born, when a lamb was being born, and to inspect the lamb so that they could see when a newborn lamb was birthed, is this lamb suitable for sacrifice? Has this lamb been born for sacrifice? And they would look at the lamb and they knew the requirements of the law were that a lamb had to be pure, perfect, spotless, without blemish, so that it would be set apart until the time was right for it to be brought into Jerusalem to be sacrificed. It needed to be a year old, male and perfect. The job of the shepherds was to recognize when a lamb was born, is this one that has been born in order to be set apart so that at the right time it will be taken up into Jerusalem to be sacrificed. That's the job of the shepherds. So suddenly, when we read that the shepherds are keeping watch, we suddenly understand 
that those who keep watch see the announcement in the heavenly realms that God is doing something in the earth. The shepherds were keeping watch. And as they kept watch, one night there was an announcement in the heavenlies when the angelic messenger came and said, the Messiah has come. Go do your job. Go do your job as a shepherd to see that the Lamb of the world that has been born to be a sacrifice, go see that He is perfect. Go see that He is without spot or blemish and then He will be set apart. And He'll be set apart until His time has come for Him to be brought up into Jerusalem where He will be sacrificed for the sin of the world. That's why it was shepherds. Because that's their job. Every time throughout human history when God moves those who are keeping watch receive heaven's announcement of what God is going to do. In the book of Amos it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without first revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. When the shepherds had the announcement from heaven, they ran. They ran to where God was at work. They heard that God was moving and they ran, even though it didn't make any earthly sense. They took heed of the angelic visitation and they ran. My friends, when God moves, there will always be those who reject it and they may be your closest friends. Even Jesus' brothers did not recognize who he was. And they criticized him and condemned him. Those closest to him. And it's because it's not how they think it should be. But I'm here to tell you, God is on the move again. Jesus is coming. There is a move of God that has begun. Church, it has begun. It's going to offend many. And it will not look like what you expect it to look like. I tell you that. It will not look like what you expect it to look like. But those who are watching, those who are waiting, they will see it. Before the shepherds ever saw it in the stable, they heard it announced in the heavenly realms. Are you listening to the announcements that are coming from heaven? Because he's coming. He is coming, church.
You know, I've got absolutely no idea what it's going to look like. But I know this. I don't want to miss it. In fact, I'm going to be even more bold than that. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not willing to miss it. And with every ounce of strength that I have got in my body, even though the devil has tried to take me out physically this year, and he's failed. And I just declare healing and strength over my own body and the bodies of anybody else that needs physical healing in this place. With every ounce of strength that I have got, I am going to run after him. I'm going to run after him. And I'm going to declare over this house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we say, come Lord Jesus. And I declare an end to every distraction in the name of Jesus. The enemy of our souls has tried his best. And I say it's over. In Jesus' name, it is over. When Jesus hung as the lamb who was slain, he said to the enemy, it is finished. And I say to you, Satan, and to every assignment from hell, it is finished. And Jesus said, whatever you bind in heaven is bound on earth and what you loose in heaven is loosed on earth. And we bind every assignment of the enemy over this church. Every assignment of the enemy over every family that is associated in this church, to this church. We release the favor of God. We release the blessing of God. We release such an awareness of the presence of God, the likes of which we have never seen before. And I have absolutely no idea what church is going to look like in 2020. finally got to a place where I can say of that it is well with my soul would you stand with me if you're on the floor you might want to stay there that's fine but if you can stand please. you might want to just put your hands out in front of you Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you come in this place? Lord, we give you all the honor and the glory for the 173 years of the life of this church. But I speak over us that the best is yet to come.
I thank you, Father, that you have said that you are going to move in power. And with the authority that God has given me in the name of Jesus, I say it has started. And we welcome it. And I say to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, let your fire come. Let the breath of God be released in this place. I know three people at least have felt the breath of God this morning in this room as we're worshiping. You've come and told me. That's how I know that, by the way. It's not prophecy. Breath of God, would you come? Would you breathe on us? And Lord, as we draw to a close of one year and step into a new year, we declare over this church, we will be a church that is known for hosting the presence of God. And in that presence, there will be healing. In that presence, there will be freedom. In that presence, there will be fullness of joy. In that presence, the name of Jesus will be glorified. In that presence, there will be salvation. In that presence, there will be heavenly visitations. Every time we gather, we declare it over this church. And this town will be one for Jesus. This region will see the light of the glory of God. And this nation will see revival. And Father, I pray that you would fill every single one of us that is open to receive. You'd fill us with an anointing right now. We happily receive from you, Lord. And at this altar called worship, we choose to lay it all down. We lay down our identity, we lay down our calling, we lay down our gifting, we lay down everything that we have. say it's all about you, Jesus. All this is for you.